from the XJ Talk Show News Desk. Tire manufacturers to declassify pavement as official terrain. More after this. Hey stud, it's time for the XJ Talk Show. Now, here's my two favorite boys, Tony and Josh. (laughs) Well, I'm favorite boy number one, Tony. I guess that makes me favorite boy number two. I'm Josh. This sounds awful kinky, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I guess the only thing that would make it a little more kinky would be uh, calling ha- having her call us boy toys. <laughs> well, yeah, it reminds me of uh, an Amazon uh, You Bought What segment. <laughs> yeah, you're sure right. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is uh, Tony, as I said. I am uh, Motoroy on XJTalk.com, and uh, XJTalk.com is the, really the reason why we're here. It's a website about Jeep Cherokees. We started a little website about uh, four years ago and uh, got over 2,000 members, uh, various uh, people from various parts of the world. Yeah, from all over because there's Cherokees all over. That's right. And, yeah, and uh, got one in Holland that posted recently. He's uh, uh, put the uh, wood decals on the side of his uh, very nice blue uh, uh, Cherokee. And... Um, he uh, he recently had it in a. They have little impromptu uh, uh, classic vehicle shows there in Holland, someplace that he goes. And every once in a while, he'll post up uh, his Cherokee along with the other American classics that are there. So very proud of our international members. Uh, also very proud whenever they uh, take the time to post. I think it's so cool that uh, there is uh, some commonality between uh, lands that are separated by uh, thousands of miles. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, just a one single vehicle bringing, well, this many people together all over the world for, well, a common interest. And we'd love to have our international uh, our international members and, and fans, if you will, uh, give us a call. Uh, guys, you can reach us at 530-675-4102. That's our 24-7 voicemail line. Give us a jingle, tell us where you're from, and say hi. Yep, it's always fun to hear from everyone, uh, but uh, you know in today's uh, world with the internet and everything, it, uh, it makes uh, getting in touch from all over the world uh, a lot simpler and uh, a hell of a lot cheaper than it used to be. Yeah, absolutely, and uh, of course if you guys want to see uh, all the good stuff uh, about XJ Talk Show, well head over to xjtalkshow.com. Yep, and uh, again, I'll remind you about our uh, primary website, xjtalk.com, and uh, we'll have a couple of uh, interesting uh, xjtalk.com posts tonight in case you're uh, you're not seeing these posts when you visit xjtalk.com or on the outside chance that you're a uh, xjtalk uh, show listener and not a xjtalk.com member or, uh, I guess, a browser of sorts. Yeah, we've got all kinds of good stuff for you guys tonight. Uh, another segment of This Week in Jeep, we're going to talk about some stuff. Uh, as Tony mentioned, we have some very interesting posts that we're going to go over for you guys. A little bit of product review as well. have some voicemails to share with you guys and even some iTunes reviews. Lots of good stuff. Uh, we'll also have a, a Jeep tick. <laughs> I always have problems with some of these things. I was just I was just very amazed that I was able to say xjtalk.com and xjtalkshow without screwing that up, you know, one right after the other. Anyway, uh, we even have a Jeep Tips segment tonight uh, from uh, Tim of Brown Dog Motor Mounts. So that'll be coming up during the show. So uh, stick around with us. Well, I'm going to dive right into it, Tony, and uh, talk about my uh, my 52-ton steering uh, that has been recently finished. Um, once again, I'm, I'm super ecstatic to, to have that finally done and out of the way. Um, finally after, well, about a week, week and a half now, uh, finally got around to actually posting up all the pictures and, and whatnot for the, um, the installation of of everything. So, uh, now I think it's about three full (laughs) forum pages of, uh, of pictures and, and write up for the, uh, the whole installation of this, uh, this whole one ton over the knuckle steering setup that I've done, including a Durango box swap. So, uh, had a chance to, to get it out. I actually Got a good amount of seat time with it uh, yesterday, and headed up to um, headed up to the mountain in Tillamook State Forest uh, here, which is our our local uh, wheeling playground, if you will. And it's about an hour and a half away from where I live, uh, so relatively close. It's not too not too bad of a drive. And uh, and putting it through that much freeway uh, use, it kind of gave me um, gave me a better understanding of of the handling characteristics of of this steering setup and and, and its road manners. 
And, and for those of you um, who are interested in, in a setup like this, uh, this is a, we're talking about converting uh, the steering to an over-the-knuckle inverted T setup using one-ton tie rod ends and uh, inch and a quarter drawn over mandrel tubing, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, it's definitely a worthwhile investment and is certainly one heck of a, of a task to undertake. There's a lot that goes into it. And, and I wasn't too scared to dive into this sort of thing. I knew I could handle it. Um, I just knew there's a lot going into it. And, uh, and even more so when I, when I discovered I had to swap out the track bar, uh, for a panhard kit. Well, now that's all done and everything. And, and the system is fairly well dialed in. I, I one last thing that I'm going to do to it is, uh, is figure out a way to get my steering stabilizer back on right now. I'm not running a steering stabilizer, which is all fine and dandy. It, the Jeep does very well without it, but I'd like to get the steering stabilizer, uh, stabilizer back on there. It's still got just a skosh of bump steer that I want to sort of help buffer with a steering stabilizer. And I think that that'll take care of it. Um, but uh, the the amount of freeway miles that I put on it heading up to the mountain this weekend, um, it really made prevalent the slight dead spot that the inverted T steering has. And all inverted T steering setups are going to have this. If you want to get rid of that sort of thing, well, you use a poly uh, spacer. It's about, uh, well, about 300 thousandths, maybe 375 Anywhere from a quarter inch to three eighths thick, um, little piece of polyurethane will do, and that goes in between the um, the tie rod end and the uh, uh, and the bar, the tie rod itself. Uh, so the tie rod end that comes from the uh, uh, from the drag link that connects to the tie rod. So it, that helps prevent the tie rod roll, um, which the tie rod will naturally want to roll against the force of the vehicle being turned. So that um, the dead spot is there. It's nothing that, you know, oh my God, I can't ever drive the Jeep again, um, but it's, it's definitely there. And the spacer certainly takes care of 90% of it. So it's still there, especially on the freeway is, is where you're going to notice it the most. So um, I got very familiar with that on my way up to the mountain. And the reason I was going up there, as much as I wanted to, to really put the steering through its, through its paces, I'm not able to do that yet because I'm still, um, I'm still in need of bump stops. My, my factory bump stops, well, they're fairly torn up. Uh, one of them is completely disintegrated altogether. And with this, uh, with this new steering setup, uh, the track bar, the panhard kit, rather the panhard bar that's on there is, uh, well, it's, it's a little close to the oil pan. Uh, so I'm going to have to limit the up travel a little bit, not a whole lot, but enough to where I, the factory bump stops, even if they were in good condition, probably aren't going to cut it. So I have some extended bump stops. I just haven't put them in yet. And I, just in case those aren't enough and I have to limit the up travel even more so, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to get a set of um, hockey pucks. Uh, one of the common, common modifications to the spring perches is to, um, to drill and tap the spring perch itself uh, where the coil spring goes. Is that little uh, bump up on top of the axle. Uh, drill and tap that and basically screw in a hockey puck. And what that does is it adds another you know, inch um, to where that, the bump stop will run into that before it actually hits the spring perch, and it'll limit your up travel just about another inch more. So I'm going to pick up a set of those just in case, uh, but, um, but yeah, I'm gonna, that, that's on the, on the front burner for now. I'm going to take care of that here hopefully sometime this week. But I went up to the mountain. Um, hope, well, I wasn't, wasn't planning on doing any four-wheeling, and I didn't really get any trail running in, but I did do a lot of trail work. Uh, some of you may know I'm a member of NAXJA, the North American XJ Association, as well as XJTalk.com. Uh, but NAXJA has an adopted trail up there. And our adopted trail is called Saddle Up. And it was closed last summer due to a, a blasting, a, a rock harvesting operation up there. And, uh, and so the Oregon Department of Forestry said, well, you've got two choices, either to give up the trail or design a new one. And if you design a new one, you know, we have to bring in a trail designer to do that. And we don't know how long that's going to take. Well, myself and another guy stepped up to the plate, and we said, well, we'll design it. And so we went up there, uh, did some uh, scouting and some hiking and some marking, and then ODF, the Oregon Department of Forestry, came in after us and with us and said, you know, okay, yeah, let's do, you know, let's move this center line here, let's move this boundary there. But all in all, they liked our design and said, let's run with it. Uh, so long story short, uh, the fire season came, and then winter came right after that. And we didn't have a chance to do any work on it at all last summer. This summer, uh, we start, had our first work party just this weekend. We went up there, and with the help of Oregon Department of Forestry and some uh, mini-excavator work that they brought in, uh, we actually started turning dirt and uh, really got hands-on 
my first experience really with building a trail from scratch. And we got about 25% of the overall trail actually cut in. And, um, and it was one, it was, it was great. The weather was perfect. It was a little bit overcast, but two, um, it was really nice to work hand in hand with a government agency actually building a trail and getting things actually there, you know, physically there. And now we're out to the point of where you can get vehicles on it yet. We only got about 25% of it done. And about, uh, we got to the one point where we have a face climb, uh, a, very, a fairly large face climb as the first obstacle on the trail. And this is going to be a, um, a double black diamond, a double uh, black diamond to double black diamond rated trail. So fairly difficult. And uh, this face climb, as we were cutting it in, uh, we discovered a, a, a natural spring, an artesian spring, and which within a matter of, of an hour or so had filled up of about a good, you know, six inches of water in this little, in this little pit that you had to come into to get up at the face climb. Well, ODF said, well, you've got two choices now at this point, either, you know, we, we have to bring in a lot of rock and boulders and pretty much almost pave this entire area with, with rock and boulders, or we reroute the trail. So with, uh, with a lot of hiking and, uh, and a lot of decision-making going back and forth with, uh, with a few ideas, we rerouted the trail about another 50 yards down the, down the hillside and, uh, and started cutting that in. Uh, and it worked out really well. And honestly, it's, it's still going to have an obstacle there in the area that we wanted. It's just not going to be quite the one that we had been looking for, uh, looking forward to. Uh, we still have a ton of trail left to cut, and we're only, you know, like I said, about 25% of the way of the way done. So still a lot of work to do. But we, it was really interesting coming into the decision of, okay, what's more important, sustainability of the trail or having this obstacle there? And it was, um, it, it was a little bit of a learning experience. And, and I'm glad I was, I was able to be there and to, and to experience that sort of thing uh, because a lot of people, they, all they do is just get on the trail and drive. Uh, and I'm sort of having this hands-on, you know, behind the curtains look at, at how all this stuff is done and, and how trails are actually made and the stuff that goes into actually making a trail. And, and it's, it's been a really cool experience. Now I'm sunburnt and I'm really sore because, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm a little bit out of shape and, and that kind of, uh, physical labor is, is not something that I'm used to anymore. So, but, uh, but regardless, I'm, I'm glad I had a chance to get out there and do this. Well, you're in perfect shape for sitting behind a, a desk and, eyeballing a, a monitor or two all day long that's, ex- yes, that's exactly yes. the shape you're in you've <laughs> been training a- for years <laughs> yeah no this was certainly a change of pace for me i mean uh you know i'm no stranger to to you know getting out and doing yard work and and some of my previous jobs I, i've put in my fair share of physical labor but you know i'd like to think that i've put in my dues uh and i don't have to do that kind of stuff anymore but uh but no i was i was sadly uh, sadly mistaken uh, but no, again, I'm, I was glad to get out there and, and actually, you know, do some shovel work. And, and there was a lot of, of blowdown, what they call, uh, which is when, you know, the winter winds and stuff blow down trees and, and branches and stuff like that. And a lot of that stuff had to be cleared by hand. We had a mini excavator up there that was doing that sort of thing, uh, helping us with the big stuff. And there was a lot of stump removal that had to be done, too. Uh, and there was no way that we could have done that without the, some heavy machinery like that. Uh, but the, the amount of shovel work and, and picking up, you know, big chunks of, of tree and, and limbs and branches and stuff like that, oh, my back is killing me and I'm fairly well sunburnt too, which doesn't help matters at all. So I'm probably the only one that doesn't know what this means. I, I, I discerned a little bit from what you were saying, but what is the black diamond and the double black diamond, uh, okay, so that, I guess it means different trails. Well, it's the um, the rating of the trail as far as the difficulty goes. I, I know that there's, uh, across the nation, there's two f- main standards as far as how a, a trail is rated and its difficulty. Um, some go by a number, and I'm not as familiar with the number class, you know, whether it's a class one or a class four or five trail or whatever. Um, obviously, the I think the more, you know, higher up you go in number, the more difficult the trail is, and I don't know what the minimum and the maximum is of that. Around here, uh, all the trails as far as what you ski or snowboard on or what you wheel on uh, are rated by sh- uh, colored shapes. And so the, uh, the green circle are easy trails. And for a stock Cherokee, you could easily travel um, all of these green circle trails. And those are considered an easy trail. And then there is a more difficult trail. 
um, or a moderate trail. And those are a blue square. Uh, and those you would probably want a little bit of a lift and potentially 30 or 31 inch, um, you know, all terrain or mud terrain tires to navigate these trails. Then you go into black diamond and these are, these are the more difficult trails. And, um, and those you're going to want probably 33s, um, if not 31s, but you're going to want to definitely be locked up front and or rear. Uh, and then you get into double black diamond and these are, these are, very difficult trails. That and would be a helicopter is what you're, what you're saying. Not, not, not quite to that <laughs> extreme, but you're definitely going to want 33s minimum and to be locked up front and or rear. Um, double black diamond trail, 33s locked up front like my rig has right now. I'm going to have a difficult time making it through that trail, but I can make it through that trail. Now, we, the most difficult trail that we have in our area is a triple black diamond. And you're looking at exo cage necessary, fully armored underneath, probably 35s minimum, absolutely no exceptions, locked up front and rear, and you have to have a winch if you're even planning on making it through that trail. Well, that's interesting. I mean, that's really good to know. I didn't realize that a, a double black diamond, which I fully expected was going to be 35s, 37s, you know, the full-size Chevys, that type thing. So. That's really interesting to know that uh, 33 inch tires and uh, locker up front and, and back. And I'm sure a winch is always a good idea anytime you go off road. Now, let me, let me go ahead and, and, and put in a disclaimer here really quick. Um, for those of you who maybe have just purchased a, um, a Jeep and it has already been built and you really don't have a lot of seat time and you're not an experienced uh, wheeler, these trails are going to be very, very, very difficult for you. So even though your vehicle is capable, um, you have to understand when you have reached your 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 own skill level. Um, your you could have the most capable vehicle on the on the planet, but if you've never been off road before, uh, you're in for a world of hurt, and you're going to probably find a um, find it very difficult to navigate this level of trail without having that kind of experience before. Well, it kind of goes back to the old uh, swimming thing. You always go swimming with a buddy. And that's what you should do anytime you go off road. And I'm not talking about your girlfriend sitting in the seat next to you because she's going to roll over with you. And you need, <laughs> you need to have a separate capable vehicle that's, that's out there with you. And you guys can help one another is, uh, in spotting. Even a, I th and correct me on this if it's wrong, Josh, but I think any, even if you're not an experienced spotter, you certainly can see things that the driver can't. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I would never, never attempt any trail, um, that, you know, would be above a stock or difficulty, um, without having another vehicle with me, uh, and especially having somebody there to spot me. Um, there are many trails that, that myself and, and others will navigate in a group without a spotter because either a, we're familiar with the trail enough to where we, and, and we're, we're skilled enough that we can get around and over these obstacles. Um, but when it comes to, to major obstacles or when a trail is in the condition where it's, it's nearly impassable and you need to have another set of eyes outside of the vehicle, it's, it's really essential to have that. And, and if you were trying to attempt this without that, two thing, one of two things are going to happen. Either you're going to damage the vehicle or you're going to damage the trail. Um, and worst case scenario, you might not be able to get that vehicle home. Uh, so in, in any case, any of those things, we don't want to happen. We don't want to damage the trail. We want to leave the trail in, in as good a condition, um, as we we could possibly leave it. Um, and we certainly don't want to damage our vehicles. So, you know, having, having another set of eyes, having another vehicle there strictly for the scent, uh, you know, for, for support, if nothing else, um, is critical. So I, I encourage anybody out there that, that's listening to please wheel with a friend. The XJ Talk Show is now available on iTunes. Subscribe and leave a review. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Hey, this is Tim from Jeep Tubes, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. First week in G. Well, I wish I had uh, really good news for us Cherokee owners, but, uh, well, I'm going to have to forego that for some great news for you JK owners. If anybody out there has a one-ounce gold coin laying around, then you have yourself the ability, and you are the only ones that have the ability to buy a brand-new JK lift from Metal Cloak. 
The California company Metal Cloak is now offering uh, an exclusive $1,900 JK lift kit for the price of one ounce gold coin and only a one ounce gold coin. They will not sell this kit. And this is a very special kit. They've put this thing together just for this promotion. And this promotion is only lasting until the 4th of July. But uh, uh, they are offering this kit in exchange for a one ounce gold coin. Now, I work with a guy who is a Metal Cloak rep. And I heard about this just this last week. But the story was also brought to my attention uh, courtesy of one of, our, um, one of our members, XJ Wheeler. Uh, thank you very much, Jake, for, um, for uh, sending that off to me. But... Um, this is very interesting because this has never been done before. Nothing like this has ever been done before. And they're honoring this regardless of what the gold standard, the gold price is, is doing right now. So no matter current value, current market value, if you've got a one ounce gold coin, you can get this kit right now. And this is a nearly a $2,000 kit for all that, just that coin. And I think right now, um, as of Friday, I think gold is at right about 1300 uh, roughly an, an ounce. So, that's a pretty good deal for you know roughly thirteen hundred dollars, getting a a nearly a two thousand dollar JK lift kit, and this is a full kit. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Metal Cloak, you probably should go check them out. They are breaking some really cool ground here as far as what they're doing with Wranglers. Now, I have some inside baseball here to share with you guys. Uh, nobody else really knows this, uh, but Metal Cloak is working on some Cherokee stuff. So head over to metalcloak.com and and check out what they're doing with the Wranglers. And just think about the kind of stuff that they could be doing to the Cherokee. It's pretty cool. Now, last week, we talked a little bit about a massive recall, the likes of which I think the automotive industry has never really seen before. Um, last week, I told you about the Center for Auto Safety. It's a consumer advocacy group. Um, they're trying to get uh, recalled nearly 5 million Jeep Grand Cherokees from 1993 to 2004 because of a potential fire hazard. And this is because of where the gas tanks are located. Now, this is, um, there's, there's been a lot of buzz going around this because uh, this is all because of a basically a, a private advocacy group that's, that's calling for this. And the actual recall has not yet happened, uh, but it's on the verge of happening. But th everything is kind of stalled out right now because, well, Jeep's main defense is that they're saying that the Cherokees, these Grand Cherokees, are no more likely to catch fire than any other peer vehicle. And now a pure vehicle is going to be, well, any other SUV of that size and, and you know, stature roughly. So, you know, this is going to, you know, uh, uh, an excursion is not going to be a pure vehicle, but a Pathfinder might be. So what's happening is, is that uh, the, there's a lack of evidence. There's no statistical evidence right now um, saying that, that the Grand Cherokees are any more likely or less likely for that matter uh, to catch fire in a rear end collision. So they're awaiting some data from the other manufacturers, the other vehicle manufacturers to substantiate this claim. And so what that means is, you know, groups like, you know, Nissan or Toyota, et cetera, are going to have to go through this whole, you know, engineering study and, and crash test and all this information that they did beforehand and that they're going to have to do now to sort of do a peer comparison against the Grand Cherokee. And without that information, well, this whole investigation is basically stalled out. So I told you guys I'm going to follow this and, and I'm following suit. I'm going to keep my eye on this and keep my hand on the, my fingers on the pulse of this whole thing because, well, although this doesn't necessarily affect us, the Cherokee owners, um, we do have several Grand Cherokee owners in our midst and, uh, and this may affect you guys. So um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on top of this, guys, and, and I'll be bringing news to you as it happens. You're listening to the XJ Talk Show. Please help Tony and Josh get more listeners by telling a friend or two or three about the podcast. It's so simple. Just tell them to go to xjtalkshow.com. Okay, look, Tony is really insecure and he measures his success by how many people listen to the show. He is driving us crazy. So please tell a friend. Hey, guys, this is Andy from IronMan4x45.com also known as Iron Man Andy, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. Yeah, I wanted to uh, to, to, to mention here real quick, <clears throat> uh, I uh, I forgot to throw this in the chit-chat. I uh, got a couple of, uh, or I guess it would be a pair of uh, sh uh, shackle, I want to say shock, shackle relocation brackets from uh, Andy over at IronMan4x4fab.com. And uh, <clears throat> it was after I uh, had uh, tried uh, 
increasing the lift i'd replaced uh, the four and a half inch coils uh from uh, rough country with some six and a half inch coils wasn't really happy with the uh the increase in lift that i got um and uh, i was really not happy with the increase uh, in lift i got on the uh, rear shackles going from the uh the five and a half inch lift location to the six and a half lift uh inch lift location so uh, I, uh, after uh, speaking with the fine folks uh, or chatting with the five fine folks at Rough Country, I uh, basically was told that I was measuring wrong, <laughs> which uh, which uh, is neither here nor there because if I if I measured it before and after and it only changed an eighth of an inch, uh, it doesn't matter where I measure as long as I can uh, hold it uh, at the same place uh, on both measurements. That's right. So anyway, I moved to uh, plan B, which was uh, spend more money. Uh, <laughs> called well, I called Andy, which didn't cost anything. I just wanted to find out uh, what his thoughts were. He has uh, adjustable uh, shackles, and he has uh, the shackle relocation brackets. The shackle relocation brackets uh, give about an inch and a quarter more lift, uh, according to his website. And the shackle relocation brackets, I'm sorry, and the uh, adjustable shackles that he sells. I get, I think give a, a, an overall three and a half inches. Now, uh, my oh. quandary was this, uh, the shackles I have, uh, that I bought with the rough country lift are supposed to give you a two inch lift total. So if going from, uh, the first notch to the second notch, which is supposed to be an inch difference, only netted me an eighth of an inch, uh, spending 170, 150, 170 bucks on some adjustable, uh, shackles that are, uh, an inch and a half longer potentially that would gain me another eighth of an inch plus <laughs> so it wasn't as much as what i needed let's say that so i gave andy a call and told him my quandary and he said i would go with the shackle relocation brackets of the two and he says that will lift it quite a bit and uh, i told him you know well i only got an eighth of an inch he says well try that and if that doesn't work for you, I'll make you some shackles. You know, if I don't want to buy the adjustable ones, he he would just, you know, I would measure it and tell him how big I want the shackles and he'd make them. So we basically, okay. we'll work it out. We'll make sure that we get, you get the lift out of it that you, that you're looking for. So, so now you have, you have the four and a half inch rough country leaf springs, right? Yes. And they're about four years old. All right. All right. Now I'm going to they shouldn't be, I don't imagine you do a whole lot of towing or heavy hauling with those leaf springs and, and you haven't done a whole lot of wheeling at least in the last well year or so. So those leaf yeah. springs should be well in fairly good shape still, I would imagine. Yeah. I think I've, uh, I've taken it off road uh, about four times in those four years. So I obviously don't get to go off road too often. A lot of that has to do with the, uh, the running hot issue, which is a, another thing. But anyway, you, but anyway, I stuck those, uh, well, Josh and I have a sh uh, another show that we do on Thursday nights. And initially I told Josh that I wasn't going to be able to do the show because the, the quick and easy, uh, relocation bracket install turned into be a nightmare when I couldn't get one of the bolts to start. Uh, and it's that upper, that upper bolt that, uh, you know, goes to the top part of the shackle. And, uh, you know, I take the thing out of the way and, and put the, uh, put the bolt through and it would start by fingers easy and something about the shackle relocation bracket the way the holes were drilled or the way i had it in there or something wouldn't let me but i finally got it in there and uh, lo and behold um the uh i have plenty of lift in the back i probably have a little too much now so oh, I, yeah so i could probably move the uh the rough country uh shackle uh forward another hole and uh then, uh, you know, we come down a little bit in the back and I'd have a little bit, according to Andy, I'd have a little bit better ride and a little bit better flex, uh, on the leaf springs. Well, that's the, uh, the, the most critical operation. I mean, the, the true intent of a shackle relocation bracket is, is typically when you, when you lift a Cherokee with lift springs and, and aftermarket shackles, you end up with a, a nearly vertical shackle angle. Um, and, and so that's, that's, if you're looking at a side view of the leaf spring and the shackle, that shackle is sitting almost straight up and down. Now think about how that, when that suspension cycles up and down, how that's transferring that energy back to the body of the Jeep. Now, if you angle that shackle and usually the shackle relocation brackets, especially like Ironman Andes, for instance, gives you several points of adjustability. 
to where you can mount where that shackle would typically mount to the body. Now it's going to mount to that, that relocation bracket. And you can change that angle quite substantially even. Uh, you know, and, and what that does is it then, just like control arm angles, it's going to transfer all of that, that shock and that energy that would be going straight through the shackle. Well, it makes the suspension take all that work instead of transferring that energy up through that shackle into the body. So, Tony, if you, if you still have your shackle straight up and down, yeah, angling that, you might lose a little bit of that lift, but the difference in ride quality is going to be substantial. Yeah, and I've said it before and I've said it again. Uh, a lot of people talk about the lift. You know, you get what you pay for, and it rides as rough as a, a wagon going across, uh, you know, to from, from east to west uh, coast uh, 300 years ago or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know if you want to if you want a nice smooth ride buy a cadillac they got great rides hell i drew i, I was driving my father-in-law's uh 2002 chevrolet pickup the other day and my god it was smooth you know yeah. uh, all we have here is jeeps we got a jeep wrangler <laughs> we got two jeep cherokees and then even the 99 uh stock suspension is not as smooth as that truck was and it was mm. nice, but uh, you know that's that's not the reason why I have a Jeep. But it, in, anyway, to, if 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 it gives me a benefit of um, better flex on the trail or anytime I, I go off road, it, it could even be going around traffic. I mean that you need better flex. So uh, I'm I'm not saying in, in an everyday situation, but like in an emergency emergency situation, and it gives me a better ride quality. That's great. Um, so anyway, I will also be looking at uh, measuring the uh, the uh, uh, yoke uh angles because i am getting a little bit more vibrations uh, oh, out of it i'm sorry now. to hear that well it was already doing it before it was something i needed to take care of but one of the reasons why i didn't want to go spend any money on uh, on shims was i knew that i was going to be lifting it up and there's no sense in shimming it twice ah uh, gotcha yep. at least that's the way i looked at it no no you're absolutely right so uh we're going to move on to our uh, our voicemails we've got uh, three uh that uh, we were lucky enough to have people uh, call in and uh, just want to remind you, our uh, voicemail line is 530-675-4102. And it's exactly that. It's just a voicemail line. And uh, you call in. Uh, nobody's going to answer the phone. You can call in at any, any time of the day or night. You're not, nobody's, nobody's phone is ringing, so you're not going to be disturbing anyone. And uh, chances are good. We'll uh, throw your, uh, your message up on uh, here in the podcast, live show and podcast. Hey, this is Tony. And this is Josh from the XJ Talk Show. We want to thank you for calling our 24-7 voice line. Yes, we do. Just leave your first name and your question or comment. There's no guarantee, but we may play your message on the podcast. Oh, and don't worry about keeping it clean. We'll take care of that. Now it's your turn to speak at the beep. Good morning, Tony and Josh. Here is uh, Sherlock, the first uh, overseas member from... uh, xjtalk.com Greetings from uh, Holland. Bye. Hey guys, this is uh, Nikki G. Uh, doing kind of down today. I've had some problems with the Jeep. Transmission problems. Uh, even wearing two aluminum foil hats, I can still receive the transmissions. And uh, the voices are telling me to do some pretty bad things. So my question is, why do they always tell me to burn things? Why can't they always tell me something good like uh, go get a sandwich or something? All right, guys. Uh, I'll chat at you later. Have a good one. Hey, this is Mickey G. I'm not sure if I should uh, apologize for my last call or not. I was I was distracted and I uh, can't remember exactly what I said. I hope it was good. And the uh, police officer was confused, too. Anyhow. <laughs> so I'm really not a babbling idiot. But while I get you out here, I'll make a few quick comments about the uh, callers from last week. I really enjoyed it. Uh, some of the guys are listening. I, I, I liked it. Uh, especially the two guys that were apparently drunk or on drugs. And if you're not drunk or on drugs, uh, call in your address and we'll get you some help. But uh, yeah, I, I, I liked it. And uh, the angry caller, I, I enjoyed his call, too. 
it was it was it was refreshing to hear you know hear somebody disagrees. And uh just want you guys to know that you are not that stupid <laughs> or dumb. If you, if you want to see dumb people, next time you're at the airport waiting for a flight, just look out the window and see some of them clowns working out there. Those are truly the dumbest people on earth. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. And I'll chat at you later. Bye. <laughs> now, he didn't say say it, but I'll tell you, Nikki is one of those people. That's why he's, that's why he's saying that. He's calling himself dumb. <laughs> Oh boy, when uh, when Nikki starts when <laughs> Nikki G starts hearing voices and wearing aluminum hats, I'm starting to get a little worried. <laughs> I'm sorry, were you ever did you ever think that he wasn't hearing voices? Well, you know, well, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> oh boy. No, I do love our uh, our voicemails from Nikki G. That that is uh that's some good stuff and, and I always get a kick out of it. Folks, please, uh, if you want to join in like Nikki G did, please call that number, 530-675-4102. Leave us a message like Nikki did. And you know what? That that number also works as a text message line. So if you want to send a text message there, well, you can do that if you're a little afraid to talk. Yeah, and I often forget about it. We do have this little product uh, on the xjtalkshow.com website. Uh, it's off to the uh, uh, right-hand side. It's it's uh, uh, has kind of a sideways vertical blah blah blah. Anyway, you click on that, and you can actually leave a, a message for us straight from your computer to our site. And that's how. Uh, and I'm getting. I'm, I'm probably getting the name wrong. That's how Cherok uh, sent his uh, voicemail message to us from Holland. He just went straight to the site and uh, did it that way. And and actually. Um, I was telling Josh uh, by chatting to him that I had forgotten about that since we don't get very many uh, voicemails through that speak pipe re- uh, uh, interface. And uh, when I mentioned him here in the first part of the show, I went, oh, he left a voicemail. I want to get I want to get him on the show because he took the time to to leave us a message. I wanted to get it on there. So that's our member from Holland. Uh, I'm sure you guys have probably seen him, like I mentioned earlier, with the blue, a very nice blue Cherokee, and he recently has. Uh, uh, put wood grain there on the middle, uh, middle section to, you know, give it that nice, uh, wood grain look like they, uh, came out with, uh, a few of them. I don't know, uh, what years those were, but I, I know that a few of them came out that way. Yeah. It uh, makes it look kind of like a wagoneer almost. Uh, it's really nice. Uh, and it is a very, very, uh, very well, good condition Cherokee. And so Cherok, thank you very much for, for calling in and, and thanks for being a member clear from Holland and, and sharing all that stuff. We'd love to see that kind of stuff. So thanks again. So, guys, uh, we do have a, a caller. We're going to jump over to uh, the uh, the phones real quick. And uh, I believe it is uh, Jake giving us a call tonight. Hey, Jake, how's it going? Tell, tell everybody where you're located. I am in Conroe, Texas, just above Houston. The hat of Houston. Yep. I was yep. listening to the that. Hat of Houston. I was listening to that podcast the other day and, and cringing when I made my uh, my bad joke about the hat of Houston. <laughs> wait, wait a minute tony you made a yeah, bad no joke yeah i know it's hard to believe <laughs> so hey jake what's going on tonight oh not much just uh calling in and give you guys something to talk about hey how bad I was that? Uh, not too many people calling in so i figured i'd give you one yeah well that's that's gonna happen uh how how was that storm this morning it was a little, uh, a little bit of intense. Uh, about six a.m., I heard thunder and it was blowing outside. It, it was pretty, pretty uh, fierce with the wind. Yeah, I sent, uh, I sent Matt uh, Ms. Uh, uh, M. Smorenberg a, a message on Google Plus uh, this morning. I was up early, and uh, I sent him a message around six, and I said, "Hey, Matt, wake up and and watch the storm." <laughs> Because <laughs> see, Matt's always also up in Conroe, so we had a little cold front bo- uh, blow through this morning, uh, folks, and uh, that's the reason why I'm asking Nikki about the uh, about the weather. Uh, I'm in Katy, which is uh, uh, about sixty or so miles, uh, kind of to the southwest of uh, Conroe. So uh, Conroe gets it, then we get it usually. So are are either of yeah, you guys seeing any of the the fallout from the, the the big storms that Oklahoma's been seeing lately? I don't know if he heard you. Uh, you were talking at the same time. Oh, I'm sorry, J- Jake. Have uh, uh, have you seen any of the the bad weather that Oklahoma's seen with uh, all those tornadoes and stuff? Are you guys getting any of the uh, the stuff from the outskirts of that? 
I think mostly it's missed us. Uh, I, I'm not sure if this one this morning was found that or not, but uh, thankfully uh, I don't think we've gotten too much of that. Well, yeah, good. I'm glad to, glad to hear that. You know, uh, actually, um, you're in Oregon, right? Yeah, that's right. Oregon's not a small state. It's not uh, Texas size, but uh, I think this is a common misconception people get. Um, uh, even uh, with Conroe being 60, 70 miles uh, north of me, uh, it's about, what is it, Jake, 500 miles to the Oklahoma-Texas border? Uh, I think it's just under that, yeah. Yeah, around four something, five hundred miles. So uh, things that happen in uh, in Oklahoma uh, are a long ways away from Southeast Texas. So <clears throat> it's not. Uh, I think, like I said, it's a common thing because most states, especially in, in the East, those those states are very small. So when something happens in one state, I mean, a gnat farts in one state, you hear it in the other. Right. That's a Texasism. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, geography certainly wasn't uh, my strongest suit in uh, in in school. I don't think that's a that's a class I, I aced, as it were. So, so hey, Jake, let me ask you a quick question about uh, xjtalk.com. Uh, have you seen any posts recently that you uh, that are have been fairly memorable to you? Anything that comes to mind? Uh, well, there's always the interesting uh, drive that Carves goes on from Australia. Oh yeah, that's and, true. Uh, the, Recent off-roading trip that uh, Speed 4.3 liter just went on. You know, the thing that amazes me, and I'm sure I've even posted about it on xjtalk.com, is if you don't see the occasional kangaroo uh, in uh, Carve's pictures, I would think he's in East Texas. <laughs> you know, with that red clay, that red dust and everything? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah you see a lot of that up there. Yeah, it's just amazing. I, I think it was, uh, I was, it was very pretty. And, uh, and then, and then I was looking through, which he posted several pictures. It was very pretty to look at all those, those shots. And, uh, uh, then I saw that one, that one picture with a kangaroo and I went, yeah, he's in Australia. Unless he's, unless he's got a pet kangaroo, he takes out for, for pictures. Well, there's a couple of places in, uh, Northern Texas that they have different animals like ostriches and kangaroos and camels. See a few places, ranches that have them. Yep. But uh, I don't. I, I don't think that's the case with him. No, no. He's he's in that uh, in that country. He he complains about the uh, the gun laws, so he's definitely in that uh, in that country. Well, Jake, uh, thanks a lot for your call tonight. Go, I'm sorry, Josh. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, Carbs complains about a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's one of the fun things about uh, forums. You know, it's all we all have complaints. We all have things that we. Uh, that uh, we want to, uh, uh, to chew the fat about. That's the kind of the fun thing that we can do there on the, on the site. Hey, it's Matt Adair with Petty Cash Racing. Tune in to the XJ Talk Show to find out more about our team and the Jeep we all love. XJTalk.com is where you go when you're not off-road. And now you can go to XJTalk.com when you're off-road too. Using your smartphone, install the Tap a Talk app, then search for XJ Talk. Take XJ Talk with you wherever you go. Jury duty, dinner with your spouse's parents, even, well, anywhere you need your XJ Talk fix. We welcome and look forward to your questions and comments. Dial 530-675-4102 and leave your message on our 24 by 7 voicemail. You know, speaking of interesting posts, we had a, a couple of uh, interesting posts that I was going to, that Josh and I were going to bring uh, bring up tonight. And uh, Josh, what's that, uh, that first one? I thought that was uh, kind of an interesting thing that uh, might uh, be good inform- information for people that were thinking about getting one of these. Well, this is uh, talking about the eBay snorkel kit. Uh, Many of you guys know eBay is a great source for finding stuff for our Cherokees. And oftentimes you can find stuff that, well, isn't really, you're not going to find it in your local four-wheel parts store. And you're not going to really find it at too many of the other big fabricators or or Jeep uh, supply sites. Uh, So sometimes these are, well, these are some one-off stuff. These are stuff that is mainly only available from, well, let's say Asia. Uh, Chinese made or or, or otherwise. Um, one of our uh, one of our members, uh, XJ Jeepicorn, um, uh, one of the one of the female members of our sites, I believe, uh, I said they also found a problem with the with the Asian kit, as as it's called. 
um, saying, if you have a 97 plus, you're going to have to relocate or get a different bottle, which isn't too big of a problem. I've already figured it out. So just so you know, thought uh, take a look at these picks. And uh, and the picks are, are of course up on xjtalk.com um, up in the up in that thread. So uh, there there a lot of uh, interesting information uh, to to you'll find out only on xjtalk.com. And XJ Jeepicorn, of course, is is talking about the when he talks about the bottle. I believe is the um, the the window washing fluid bottle. Yes. So yeah, that's um and, and what I heard uh, people are using I think a Grand Cherokee. Um, like a like a WJ uh, washer bottle, which is a little bit smaller. Um, the late model Cherokees have a very very odd shaped bottle, uh, uh, window washing fluid bottle uh, that's tucked up inside the the most upper part of the driver's side fender. And and if you're going to be doing a snorkel, obviously because the intake is on that side of the vehicle, it's the driver's side that that you're going to be cutting up to you know get the tubing routed up the A pillar there. And, uh, and that, that bottle is, well, smack dab in the middle of the path that you're going to need to go. So uh, relocating it or getting a different one, obviously, is, is going to be uh, paramount if you're going to be doing a snorkel on a late model. Yep, yep. And also, too, she, uh, she posted a picture up of the, the main snorkel. Uh, I guess it was the section uh, or the tube that goes in the, the three or four inch hole that you drill in the fender that it was actually separated. It was actually uh, it not cracked, but like uh, it just wasn't very thick and was open. So she had a couple of problems with that. So you might want to, uh, I think I remember having a, an interview with uh, Bennett Bushwhacker in which we spoke about the uh, the Chinese knockoffs. That's and, right. And that one of the things that he mentioned was the, the thickness and the quality of the, the plastic that was being used. So, uh, you know, the gosh what are they like 30 or 40 bucks and then you have to spend like 80 bucks uh for the the shipping from china so you wind up with a a, 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 what looks to be a um safari is it uh a bush bushwhacker um uh snorkel uh that's 300 400 bucks from bushwhacker uh and you get it for 110 so it seems to be a great deal now, uh, this thread uh, was not started by XJ Jeepercorn. She was adding to it. It's in our products uh, reviews thread, uh, or I should say forum. And uh, so uh, it was actually started by another member that had some similar issues, but there are reports from other people in that post that they got theirs and it was just fine. So it seems to be a bit of a crapshoot. So um, we'll have to wait and see. She's asked for a refund uh, on her her purchase i believe and we'll have to see where that goes i i figure if you can wait the three or four weeks and and to get the the proper one then uh uh you know may, it might be worth uh, saving three hundred dollars or I, I i guess really nobody's reported on how well they ho- hold up in the sun and and uh, trees and stuff hitting them which uh, uh ben has uh said that they they've seen rolled jeeps where they've actually rolled them <laughs> on uh, on those things and uh, the top hat might may have had to been replaced but uh the little snorkel part but the uh, the side uh, uh, abs plastic was fine well uh, uh, uh kind of a um i don't guess it really would be a tongue-in-cheek post but um uh, kind of more of a uh, superficial post if you will was uh, a recent post by a new member andrew, andrew xj about uh, favorite his question was what's your favorite year of the cherokee the post is actually favorite year of cherokee and uh, he says uh, i know i've posted about a lot but that's what i do we love that guy uh what's your favorite year of cherokee i say 1999 and of course that's the year that he has well that's also the right answer <laughs> yeah big jim didn't think so <laughs> no big jim 350 he's uh he's a big uh, show favorite around here he says he likes the 95 and older he doesn't like the obd2 don't like the newer front end and says he actually prefers the older interior but like anybody else, he's going to say that the year he owns is the best. So for him, it's 1992. <laughs> and actually, this is from our uh, our, our caller, uh, XJ Wheeler, Jake. He says, well, mine's a 92, so all in all, I do like the newer, newer style, although a bit uh, plasticky inside. The 99 is the first year of the horseshoe intake. Uh, last year for the high pinion front axle, distributor, distributor ignition, and before the dreaded 0331 head. So it's a generally considered the best by some. You will get mixed reviews. Most think theirs is the best. And uh, I'll have to disagree. Well, 
I guess it's, I guess I can say I agree to a certain degree since I own a 99 as well. But uh, I too think 99 was probably the best all around year. Uh, my Jeep is a 98. The one that, uh, that I drive daily is a 98, but, uh, you know what? It has a horseshoe intake on it now. Yep, that's right. I'm a little biased myself. Uh, as I said earlier, 1999 is the right answer <laughs> because I <laughs> happen to own a 1999 as well. Uh, hence my my username on xjtalk.com. It's uh, X, uh, Northwest 99XJ. And uh, I'm very fond of my 99. I, I've worked on many, many Cherokees over the years. And uh, and I have to say, uh, throughout all my research and, and stats and, and everything else that I've looked at, uh, you know, 1999 is is my favorite year. A lot of the late models, well, some of the late models, uh, I think the 97s, they even have a different steering wheel than like the 99s. And although a lot of the interior might be the same, uh, there are some subtle differences, even in the uh, in the trim packages and stuff like that. I'm I'm partial to the late models. Period. Um, and I I know what Big Jim is saying about the um, the the front ends being different and stuff like that. I don't like a stock older Cherokee the way that it looks. Its attitude completely changes when you lift it up. You do a couple subtle modifications, and I'm going to have to agree with Jim in that in that regard. That um, an older model Cherokee does look really good. The front end looks a lot different, and it looks better, I think, in some regards than the new than the late models do. Uh, once it gets up in the air and you get some meats underneath of it. Yeah, you know, I often have to take a very close look at the the Cherokee to, to notice the difference between the pre-97 and the post-97 after it's been uh, lifted and modified. So uh, I personally like the the 97 plus interiors, but of course that's all I've ever seen. I mean, all I've ever owned is a 98 and a 99, and I've only ridden it in a a pre-97 on a couple of occasions. Uh, I just just don't care for that, uh, the the gauge layout, the squareness of of all of it. Uh, and you know, I understand it's, it's whatever you got used to seeing. And when you, you fall in love with that girl with buck teeth, you, you, you know, it's like you miss it if you don't see them. <laughs> Good analogy, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, as promised, we have a, a Jeep tip tonight and, uh, it is, uh, with, uh, Tim Schleider. Oh gosh. I, I was hoping I was going to get through that one. Tim Seidler with uh, Brown Dog Motor Mounts, and uh, he's going to talk to us about, uh, you know, checking out the transmission uh, motor mounts. Got a tip? We do. It's time for Jeep Tips. Hey, guys, this week's Jeep Tip is uh, with uh, Tim Scheidler of Brown Dog Off-Road. Tim, welcome back, and uh, what do you got for this week's Jeep Tip? Well, thanks for having me on again, Tony. I appreciate it. I thought I'd talk for just a minute on how you inspect a transmission mount. The transmission mount is sandwiched between the transmission and the cross member, and the pressure of that installation holds it all together. So you can't just visually look in there and say, yep, looks good. There are two things that you do. The first one is laying on the ground. You grab the drive shaft up as close to the transfer case as you can, and you try to shake it from left to right as the car goes. If you can move that at all, there's a good chance that your transmission mount is bad. And then you go on to the second step, or you can skip the first step and just go right to the meat of it if you want. The second step is that you loosen the nuts on the bottom of the transmission mount. They go through the cross member. And then when you lift the transmission, the if the transmission mount is separated, you'll be able to see that it actually comes apart. It will either come apart from the uh, steel that the rubber elastomer is bonded to, or the rubber itself will separate. At that point, you'll know it's bad. If it all comes up together in one piece, because remember, it's still bolted to the transmission, then it's still probably intact. That's how you check a transmission mount. So is this something that should be done on regular intervals, uh, like tested every 50,000, 100,000, or does it depend on how hard you are on the, uh, on the vehicle? It doesn't hurt to test it every 25 to 50,000 miles. You'll probably un- be under there doing something else anyway, so it's a good time to at least check it out. The thing that's important to know about the transmission mount is remember that the Jeep drivetrain is only mounted to the vehicle in three points, the left motor mount, the right motor mount, and the transmission mount. So it's very important. It does keep things in uh, all in position. 
Uh, also, too, if you've uh, had to replace one of the motor mounts because of a failed or, or you know, broken uh, boss on the uh, on the block, uh, would you be more likely to have a transmission mount problem? It's a really a good point, Tony. Anytime you have a failure of the motor mounting system in any position, the other two points are automatically suspect. Excellent. So, so remember that, guys. If you're changing one motor mount, at least check the other motor mount uh, and the uh, the transmission mount. That's a good point about the three points. I never really thought about that, but that's very true. That's a lot of weight and uh, torque that those three things have to hold uh, to the, the unibody. And you can imagine when a driver's side motor mount fails, which is usually the first failure, all of that torque then is not only transferred to the right mount, but now the transmission mount is torquing. Oh, also, too, I wanted to ask, whenever you uh, uh, grab the, I think you said, the uh, the drive shaft up by the uh, transfer case and, and move the thing to back and forth, I'm assuming you're meaning uh, laterally, so not uh, forward to, to rear, but side to side. And side you, to side is correct. That's right. And, and you'd actually be looking at the, uh, I guess you're looking for any movement, uh, the drive shaft or anything that, that is moving side to side. That's correct. Uh, if the transmission mount is good, the, the strength of a person usually isn't enough to move it at all. Okay, good. So you don't even have to uh, break the, uh, the, the, the bolts on the cross member loose to, to test it that way. So no. gosh, guys, that's really easy. I mean, you're going to, you know, you're going to be under there anyway. <laughs> so grab the, the, the front drive shaft and move it back and forth. And, uh, you should be able to tell, uh, with, uh, uh, good certainty that your, uh, transmission mount is good. That's right. Well, great, Tim. Thanks a lot. And, uh, I really appreciate this week's uh, Jeep tip. Thanks for having me, Tony. I appreciate being on and, uh, good luck out there, guys. XJTalk.com. It's where you go when you're not off-road. This is Richard Goatman Gautier with Team Naxja Petty Cash Racing, racing the 4643 Jeep Cherokee and Ultra 4, and you're listening to the XJ Talk Show. The XJ Talk Show is now available on iTunes. Subscribe and leave a review. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating. And speaking of ratings, folks, if you are using an iTunes device or are using iTunes to listen to our show or would like to listen to our show through iTunes, please head over there and give us a review. Uh, we appreciate the five-star reviews, although we'll take anything we can get. Uh, we've had a few, uh, well, at least one here, iTunes review that we're going to share with you this week. Uh, this one is by, um, well, boy, good, I Good luck. Not, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> somebody signing something out. Uh, a gaff, a gas and or something along those lines it gave us a five-star review on May 31st. It says it's a great podcast full of helpful information. Also, some great comic relief, especially <laughs> from Nikki G. Makes me giggle like a little girl every time. <laughs> Love the show. Keep it up. Well, thanks for the review. And, and yeah, big thanks to Nikki G. He does. Uh, he makes me giggle, at least, uh, just about every time. So really appreciate uh, appreciate the review. Appreciate Nikki G's uh uh, add additions to the show as well. And uh, again, folks, please head over to iTunes, check us out, give us that review. And if you'd like to join in like Nikki G does every week, well, give us a call on our 24-7 voicemail line. Again, that number is 530-675-4102. So I want to thank uh, Jake for uh, calling in tonight. Uh, we would uh, love to ha hear from you. So you guys uh, just need to come and join the live show Sundays, 10 p.m. Central Time, Ustream.tv slash channel slash XJ Talk. Uh, get in here and uh, get dialed into our conference call. You can actually uh, listen to the whole show in the conference. Yep, that's right. And uh, you can, like I said, uh, give us a call to our voicemail line. You can find us on iTunes. You can even find us on Stitcher Radio as well. well Josh, I know you got some stuff coming up uh, you want to talk about. Well, yeah, folks, if you want to meet me in person, come up, say hi. Well, hey, I might even throw you on the microphone. You can find me at the Portland, Oregon four-wheel parts on uh, June 8th. That'll be this coming weekend uh, for uh, those of us who are, those of you guys who are listening uh, well, live. I've uh, got a little bit of a show and shine coming up, and I'll be uh, spinning some tunes. I'll be out there DJing and, uh, and emceeing the whole show, so please stop by and say hi. And Josh always appreciates fresh fruit. Yeah, just, as, just don't throw it at me. <laughs> I'm setting you up, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, just uh, make sure that banana just uh, stays out of my tailpipe, okay? Oh, man. That just reminds me of uh, something my stepson did to my daughters on the 99. I had to go uh, fix it. 
at, at the but, school. I thought you were going to say it reminds you of something we uh, we got from on on our iTunes or um, iTunes our Amazon review. Yeah, really. <laughs> well, um, hey guys, uh, thanks for joining us here on the live show, and uh, and, and thanks for checking out the podcast. We hope to see you again next week. Yeah, and I want to take a time uh, a bit of time here to remind you about uh, uh, Josh and my new show, the Tony and Josh Show, uh, Thursdays uh, 10 p.m. Central. Uh, you probably see a pattern here. Uh, we have uh, a live show. We also have a call in line. We use the same uh, conference call number. So it's uh, a show about uh, our opinions about the various things that are in the news and on our minds. And uh, it's just a, a, a kind of like what we, what we have here, but a much broader um, smorgasbord buffet of, uh, of topics. So please come join us and also available on iTunes, Stitcher and whatnot. Yep, you can find us there at uh, TonyandJosh.com. We've got all kinds of good stuff going on there. And we even have links to our personal sites there as well. And uh, for uh, Tony and Josh, the, I just want to tell you, have may all your trails be green. <laughs>